Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. I remember the very first time I flew on a plane. I didn't have the opportunity to fly when I was younger, but I got my first opportunity when I was engaged to my soon-to-be wife. And we were going to, I was going to take a trip to Minnesota to visit her there. And so my very first time on a plane was one of the craziest experiences I've ever had in my life. Because I had always been on the ground and I would look up at the planes streaking across the sky. And, and from my perspective, they were so very small. So the very first time I get on a plane, I had no idea how big it was. But it wasn't just that. I, I mean, for you travel all the time. I mean, you're probably pretty used to flying. And now I travel a lot, so I'm pretty used to it. But my very first time, there's something unique about it. There's something really special. Because they don't give you a manual about all the sounds and all the things that are going to happen. Yes, they tell you how to buckle your seatbelt, and they tell you what to do in case of a water landing and all those sorts of things. But I didn't bring a plane. So all these sounds start happening. And all these things are happening around me. And so I didn't know what's happening. I didn't know what's going on. But let me give you a perspective. This was before 9-11. So before 9-11, it was much more relaxed for travel. There weren't 3D scanners that were scanning every nook and cranny of your clothing and body. There, we could be able to walk up to the gates and say goodbye with loved ones and then have somebody pick you up on the other side. And for those of us who remember Midwest Express, you'd get these warm cookies when you flew out of Milwaukee. It was quite an experience, and sometimes longer. You even actually got actual meals, more than just half a cup of soda and some peanuts. But this was my first time. So here I am, a young 20-something, getting on the plane by myself for the very first time, and all these strange sounds start to happen. First, I hear all this whirring and clunking happening, and I'm gripping my seat like, what in the world is that? And that was just the luggage being put onto the plane and them closing the door. Then you hear the sound of them moving the flaps to make sure all the flaps are working. And then you hear all of these clinks and clanks and the buzzing and the, they're checking all their systems. The lights go on, the lights go off. I didn't know what's happening. It's terrifying. So I just asked questions. I sat there trying to listen to music. I tried to calm myself knowing everything was going to be okay, but this was my very first time. Then you take off. And when they hit the engines in that first burst of acceleration, you get pushed back a little bit and they're going faster. And then you start to rise off and that feeling of coming off the ground. And my ears are starting to pop. I have this, I have to like swallow or like drink something or chew gum because my ears kind of get full and you take off. And there was an unbelievable sensation. And I looked and for the very first time I saw something I've never seen before. I entered the clouds and I've always seen the clouds as a young boy and as a young man. I look up these big cotton puffy looking things up in the sky and they looked tremendous. They looked soft and pillowy. But as I started to go through them, I just realized that they're just kind of like fog. Like it was just like this dense fog that was in the sky that as we're going through them, everything got a little bit darker and, and all we could see is this white mist all around us coming through. But then there's this moment that we came up through the clouds. And then up through the clouds, I had a perspective that I've never seen before. I was on 
top of the clouds. I was above them and I could look down and I could see this sea of clouds all around me, below me. And I got to see something I've never seen before. I never saw that from the ground. And we started to climb. We started to keep going. And as we kept moving and going on the trip, clouds dispersed. And I got to see something I'd never seen before. I got to see the ground from the sky. And from the sky, I could see for hundreds of miles. I could see farms. I could see towns. I could see cities. I could see roads. I could see all of this land out there from a completely different perspective. And I started to realize something. Man, we're we're pretty small when you change your perspective. But one of the things I find most fascinating, I still do to this day, I love coming into a city at night because when you're in the far off, you start to see the city. You see little sparks of light everywhere. And you, it looks like just grains of sand that are spread across the map. And you see these lights, a dull yellow, pale yellow, all along the land. And as you get closer, it becomes brighter and brighter eventually till you land. And then you land and everything changes again. The perspective changes. And from an airplane, and for someone who did it for the very first time, I realized something for the first time in my life. We are very, very small. From my perspective, when we change perspective, things look different. Things change, and things we think are so important to life become very insignificant. There was one thing important to me the first time I flew, the first time I took off, was that I was going to land again safely on the other side. But now we look at the perspective that's changed us, and perspective of COVID-19 has changed our perspective. It's now a new perspective of something that seems so small and so insignificant in our life. All of our perspective have changed. We've now thought about becoming more generous. We thought about what really matters, keeping our family safe. We start to think through things because we're seeing life from a different perspective. But let's just take this virus for a second. COVID-19 has shocked us because something that is so small, something that we can't even really even see is changing our entire life. It's changing and it's stopping humanity and it's now making us change our perspective. Perspective is everything. It helps shape us, inform us. It helps give us a view from an outside of our own. We see things differently. We see maybe that what's so important to us perhaps isn't quite as important. Or we can see another person's point of view. We can see another viewpoint, another vantage point, like a facet to a diamond. We can see something when we're not just looking through our own lens. And so today, we're going to explore that. We're going to explore Jesus from perhaps a different perspective that you haven't seen before. And so I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles or your Bible app to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Mark chapter 1, 14 through 15. I'm going to give you some time to get there. Uh, So again, on your Bibles or in your apps, uh, this is some information about Mark that you may not know. It is the oldest of the four Gospels in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, it's of the Gospels, it's the shortest. It's also the stories of Mark are, we see, are positioned more chronologically. They're more in the order in which things had happened. However, it also has the most events. It's quick. It hits things that are important and really is focused around Jesus' ministry. So if you think of all the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mark is like the Twitter of the Gospels. It's quick, it's to the point, gives you important information, and it makes it memorable. 
So, if, as you're there now, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, I want to read this to you as well. After John was put in prison, and they're talking about John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Verse 15, chapter 1, are the first very recorded words of Jesus. So what is Jesus telling us right now in his first words that are down here on paper for us over 2,000 years later? He's saying this, the time you have been waiting for, the Messiah or the Savior, the one who's going to save the world, is come. He's right here, right now. And it's very simple. Repent and believe it. Repentance is a spiritual practice that we do throughout the year. And really during our Lent time, we take these 40 days before Easter just to slow down and really start to focus and change our perspective of our life. And one of those perspectives during this beautiful season of Lent is our perspective of sin in our lives. We want to see, God, how are we living? What's in us that's not good? God, what do I have to get out of my life? So at Lent, we do this preparation. We prepare our hearts and get ready for Good Friday. We get ready for the Easter season. So we take this time to repent and get rid of our sins. But we don't use the word repent very much anymore. I mean, in some churchy circles, maybe you might hear the word used sometimes, but depending on your background and if you you were churched or used to go to church or never been to church or been your whole life, it's all going to depend what you feel when you hear the word repent. But repent is a very, very important word. In the Old Testament, their repentance was something that was very clear. It meant to turn, turn. In Isaiah 6.10, it says this. It's, it has this idea that the word turn, God says, turn in, in Isaiah and be healed. Turn away and then you'll find healing. So this was a concept that the Jewish people were very familiar with. They had heard it before. It was in the Old Testament. And so when it comes to the book of Mark, when John the Baptist before Jesus was saying, repent, the one is coming who's going to save us. Now Jesus says, I'm the one who's come to save us. Repent. They wouldn't know exactly what they're talking about. So when Jesus enters the scene, the most important figure in all of human history, the first thing he tells us to do is turn or repent. Repentance is the core of the message of Jesus. And he gave it to his disciples while he was still alive with him. So, What happens is Jesus at Good Friday dies on the cross for all of humanity. We celebrate then Easter, the the resurrection, or Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He's alive again. But then he begins a ministry of time on earth with his disciples, getting them prepared for the the mission that he has them on. And so he's preparing them. And so Jesus then ascends into the clouds. He leaves. And then the Holy Spirit is given to the apostles. And so something brand new is happening. And so the Holy Spirit comes on them. And then Peter goes out and gives one of the most powerful messages of all time. I, I don't think we could ever preach this this day without people throwing eggs at our houses and clubbing us upside the head. Because he says this, you killed Jesus. It's your fault. He was a son of God. Repent. What an amazing, strong, firm, clear message. He was the Messiah. He was the one that was chosen. You killed him. Repent. But when the people heard this, they start to say in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 38, when they hear this, they're cut to the heart. And he says to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This message was so impactful 
that the Spirit came and just cut right into the heart of the crowd. And the first thing they say is, what are we supposed to do? Peter replied, repent. Turn. Turn from the what you've been doing. Turn from your ways and be baptized. And every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Turn away from sin. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. This means to think differently afterwards. Something happens, and this event causes you to completely change your mind. You change the way you think, but it's not just changing what you think. It's changing what you do. It's a shift of your perspective. That's why in the Old Testament, repentance was always over and over again about turning, turning away from one thing, turning towards something else, changing the way of the past to changing something to the future. There has to be action involved when we start talking about repentance. Lent, if it's a season of simply giving up something to try to make God happy during this time, it's not what this is about. Because that's not how he works. What pleases God, our purpose is to repent. It's 40 days of focusing our time, our attention, our hearts, our lives on the things of God so that we can become more like him. Repent. Turn from things. Turn from sin. But let me be clear. Let us slow down. Let us repent. But repentance isn't self-hatred. Repentance isn't beating yourself up. Repentance isn't punishing and hurting and saying, I'm not good, I'm no good, I'm not worthy. It's not about that. Part of it is understanding. But then when we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, the grace that is given to us, those two come together in a beautiful marriage. And so we say, God, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I turn from my old ways. When we understand the grace of God, which is given to us, Jesus paid the price at the cross. It is over. It is done. Our sins are forgiven. But now it's our job to turn from a life of continual sin. Get away from that way to turn and change our perspective. Imagine this. What if all of humanity right now today, wherever you are right now, we started to treat sin the way that we have treated COVID-19. What do you think would change in your life if sin in your life, sin in your family, sin in your friends, sin in our church family, sin that extends into the world, what if humanity treated sin the way we're treating COVID-19? What would look different? What would look different in how you act and the way you think? What would you protect yourself from? How would you get sin to make sure it doesn't infiltrate your family, to protect your young ones, protect your older parents, protect your friends from the fact that if they come in contact with this, it could ruin them? What if we treated sin the same way? Well, we, we don't, do we? We honestly, a lot of times we try to find excuses for it. And even if we love Jesus and we call on his name and we keep sinning, and that's part of our humanity, the longer we're with him, the more it should repulse us that we don't want it in our lives. Let me be clear to you also today. Repentance is a way of our entire life. It's continual. Because every time we take a step closer to Jesus, we realize 
man, I'm so far from who he is. What do I have to do, Lord? What can I do to turn to become more like you? Here's the beautiful piece of all this. Jesus is the cure. We don't have a cure to COVID-19. We don't even know what to do at this point. At this point right now in human history, we're learning to isolate. We're learning to share. We're learning to take care of ourselves. We're, we're being instructed in some things. But what if we had the cure right now? How would that change humanity? How would that change the way you thought about things? Because Jesus Christ is the remedy to the fact that sin is a virus that's killing us all. Sin is something that creeps and it spreads. It goes from one person to the next. We adopt into sin when others do it. We bring it into our own. And sometimes we're just our own nasty self. Sin is a virus that's killing us. But Jesus is the remedy. And that's what we're celebrating in this Lenten season. That's what we're celebrating at Good Friday. And that's what we're celebrating at Easter. That is the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is that we now get to be part of the story of Jesus. The beauty of the gospel is that we are forgiven. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus has a brand new life for us, that when we come to him, he says, repent, turn away, change your perspective. We have a whole new life available for us. So if you have called on Jesus Christ as your savior, and you say, I believe in Jesus, I believe in him, and I've asked him into my life, and I, and I go to church, and I follow him, but yet you do not see sin as something you need to repent of or turn away from. You are missing one of the biggest components and joys of being a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus now gives us the opportunity, the answer, and the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to rid it out of our lives, keep turning away to get rid of that, to bring us a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of love a life of faithfulness, a life of forgiveness. It's a different life than when we're riddled with sin. And if you understood and embraced the gospel in this beautiful way, life changes. Every time you have an opportunity to worship, you worship. Every time you have the opportunity to think and be thankful to your Savior, you're thankful. Every time you have an opportunity to represent him well by giving love and sharing and being kind and generous and merciful, you do it because you understand the huge mess that you've created, the huge mess that you are still in. Friends, if we are not exploring, embracing, and leaning into repentance, you start to forget the gospel which is on you every single day. Jesus Christ did the work and you're saved because of him. We cannot grow weary of this story. We cannot grow weary of saying, I don't want to deal with that sin in my life. You can't keep looking at it, keep ridding it, because every time it makes a whole new person, it changes your perspective. Just like I was in the sky looking down for the first time, perspective changes. Perspective changes. And now through the perspective of repentance, I want to get rid of what is bad to be embraced and fill in what God has for me, what is good. But I want to change your perspective one more time. God is an amazing God. And sometimes I think we have the wrong view of him. From time to time, we start to think of him as a buddy. Uh, perhaps we see him 
as almost a cartoon character that we see in social media. Sometimes we start to, to lose our perspective on this idea of what Jesus called it to of repenting and this time of reflecting on our sins. So I want you to hear from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. This is when Isaiah gets the vision, gets to see God for who he really is. This otherworldly, set-apart, holy being. Someone who is completely not on our level. Isaiah gets the ability to have a perspective shift. But I want you to give you a few minutes to get there also in your Bible. So Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. The reason why this is a powerful, powerful, powerful opportunity in Scripture for us to see something different. If you've never heard this before, if you have and you've got your Bibles or your apps, highlight it, remember this. This is a beautiful perspective when we think about repentance to remember the holiness and the greatness of who God is. As you're turning there, just the book of Isaiah, a little bit about it. This book was written uh, to the nation of Judah to turn them back to God. But at the same time, this book gives a beautiful plan of salvation, starts to tell about what God's going to do through the Messiah that he is going to be sending, who we now know is Jesus. So Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Listen to this passage. Think of your perspective of who God is. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. They're angels and creatures in the throne room of God. They've got these six wings, and these two wings are flying, but... Two-thirds of their wings are protecting themselves from the holiness of God. This may sound odd to us. Like, we don't quite understand in the, the imagery that is there. But let's break it down to this. God's holiness is room-shaking. Worship is continuing around him nonstop. And his majesty fills all of heaven. Everything around him is filled with this constant worship of him being wrung out. Those who see him and around him in the perspective that they see the true God, all they're doing is worshiping over and over again so much so that his glory is filling everything. It's a very different perspective. So here we have Isaiah in his perspective. He sees God. The first thing he says, I'm done for. I'm dead. I mean, I'm a man who has sinned. I live among people who have sinned. And I just saw the holiness and the perfection of God. I'm nowhere near him. I'm not even close to being on his level. I'm done for. I'm dead. I'm done. There's a very different perspective of God. Because the glorious thing about this is that God invites us into a relationship with him to have the ability 
Because God calls us friend. He calls us son, calls us daughter when we come into this relationship with him. But do you understand that's only because of the work of Jesus Christ? What he did at Good Friday, what's happening on Easter, when he rose again, now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is in this temple right now. And he's coming back. But this time when he comes back, he's coming back as a king. And so our perspective shifts when we start to see God like this. But we're his friend, but yet this holiness of who he is. We can do nothing right. And just like the angel took the coals and burned it onto his lips because of how sinful his mouth had been, who knows what he'd been saying with his mouth. It didn't matter. His perspective shifted everything to say, I can't even be here without dying. But now we have Jesus who does that for us. And Jesus now makes us able to even have community with God. This perspective draws attention to the fact that repentance is first and foremost something we must do. But I can't repent for you. I, I, can't, I can only repent for me. And this is something that we must do to turn away from our sin. To experience our God's holiness in our sinfulness, we have to change our perspective because Jesus Christ did it all for us. This vision of God just blew Isaiah's mind. He went from an aspect of probably just like you and me, like working hard, doing hard, doing good things, and God gives him a perspective of this is who he is, and he's done for. Whenever people come in contact with God, it's the same thing. They just can't even be in his presence, let alone say anything like we're worth something. That's how holy God is. That's how powerful the cross is, that what Jesus did is took our punishment for the sin and the sinful mouth among sinful people that we are. Repentance is a realization is that you're not the person you thought you were. Let me say that again, because I want you to just, if you get something out of this, I want this to drive home. Repentance is a realization that you're not the person you thought you were. When we see God for who he is, we can't just walk away thinking the same things about ourselves beforehand. I guarantee Isaiah didn't. We can't. And Lent can be this time when we start to focus and start to shift our perspective into this place of repentance. And then our position shifts. So as we shift, we see the beauty, the importance, the gospel of Jesus. Without it, we're done for. And this is the moment of power. Understanding when we understand and embrace the gospel, the people who have the greatest impact for God and for his glory forevermore see sinfulness as something that needs to be out of their life. They understand that the grace of God covers them, but more and more they say, I don't want it in my life. It's not what the life that God has for me. They want to rid themselves and God then does amazing things in and through us because he wants a life more for us than what we're living riddled with this virus of sin. He wants to give us a whole new vision, a whole new perspective. The Apostle Paul, the man who authored almost half of the New Testament, he says this in 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save the sinners of whom I am the worst. Now, 
Paul's a pretty important guy. He, I mean, in church history here, he has given us so much to understand about what was going on in the new church and theology and how to live out this Christian life. There's so many important writings here. And here this brother says to us, I'm the worst. He says that because his perspective has changed. You're going to say, no, Paul, there's no way you're the worst. I'm the worst. Or no, no, I'm not the worst. My neighbor is the worst. Not my neighbor. My boss is the worst. No, 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 you don't know my mom. My mom is the worst. Whatever you're thinking right now, understand when you have the correct perspective, you don't point fingers at others. You point them at yourself. In light of God's holiness, you understand you're not even on the same level. And Paul saw that. He said, I'm the worst. Repentance starts with an honest understanding of who you are. Sinful people who have built our lives on sinful ways. Friends, let's all change our perspective. Let's start to see ourselves as broken, sinful people in need of a Savior. Let's see God for all of his holiness and all of his greatness his majesty that fills temples and shakes rooms. Let's start to see Jesus and the gospel as the remedy that the cure for the virus of sin that plagues us all. And then we go back to that beautiful first statement of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verses 15. It says this, The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I want to give some time. Sometimes we hear a message like this and we jump back into our day, but I want to give some time. I'm just going to sit down and give some quiet time right now and ask you wherever you are right now to repent. What sin is in your life that God is calling to get rid of? Has the Spirit been speaking to you through this message that you have to get something out of your life? Turn away Change your perspective. Rid it from your life for the sake of what we can do for the glory of the gospel. What sin has God put into your heart? Friends, this is about becoming more like our master Jesus, being more like the one who called us to discipleship. And so whatever is on your heart right now, wherever you are, silently, let's take just moments. Would you repent right now would you, would you confess and admit where you need to change? Would you turn? And would you change your perspective? Let's take a few moments together. Great God, help us not only to confess sins, Help us to turn. Help change our perspective to see the holiness of who you are, the joy of the gospel, and what we can do to transform our community and our world. Because the mission you've given us is to be more like you, to be a disciple of yours. And so we take it today in your great name. Amen. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. 
for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.